Good morning or afternoon to those who are listening. This is Amy Clarkson reading to you from my book, Simple, How Kids Help Us Understand God. We're ready for week seven, which is on prayer. And although this may at first seem like a simple topic, I think, again, we can learn a lot from what our interactions with children are in regards to this topic. So let's get started. Chapter seven, prayer. Did you ever notice how quickly a fun conversation with curious little four and five-year-olds can take a dramatic turn into profound, mind-stumping silence? Who did Adam and Eve's kids marry if they were the only humans? Were people alive when the dinosaurs roamed? How come I've never heard God's voice speak to me when I pray? I try hard to satisfy their questions. Sometimes the answers are so abstract that their little minds can't grasp my feeble responses. Other times, I don't know the answer and I have to reply, I have wondered that too. Despite the initial panic when they ask about these deep curiosities, I love their questions and will always encourage them to think and ask whatever things come to their minds. In my brief stint being a parent, the idea of prayer is a topic that has gotten a lot of questions. To be honest, it's a challenging concept for adults to conceptualize as well. I recall a night I was putting my three-year-old daughter to bed. As was typical, I took her little hand in mine and told her it was time to pray. This particular night, I asked her if she wanted to pray first. I was shocked by her immediate, no. Her face looked a bit frightened, and I asked her why she didn't want to talk to God. She scrunched her eyes and put her head down in embarrassment and explained that she didn't know what to say to him. I gave her some examples of things she could say, like thank you, or I love you, or help me to sleep with no nightmares. She continued to look squeamish and said emphatically, Mom, I can't do that. It seems too weird to talk out loud like that. Inwardly, I felt like somehow I must be failing as a parent if my children were too shy to pray or just plain refused to talk to God. I've had many more discussions about prayer with all my kids, usually surrounding two main topics. First, they want to know what prayer is and question why we speak to someone we cannot see or hear. And two, they struggle with requests, especially not understanding when something they ask for doesn't happen. I would guess these are two areas adults struggle with as well. So let's turn it around and look at it through our interactions with parents and kids. At its most basic, what is prayer? Prayer is essentially communication, whether spoken inwardly or externally, with actual words or an aching soul, prayer is the way in which we commune with God. What do we know about communication? In our earthly lives, it's how we gain understanding. It is through dialogue we express needs, wants, feelings, and knowledge. While communication is the vehicle for these things, the result is comprehension, awareness, and ultimately, knowing. 
As a parent, much of the intimate knowledge of my children have come through these verbal interactions. With their words, I have learned the things they dislike and the things they are passionate about. I hear their complaints, fears, and hopes. I get glimpses of what they think of themselves, both good and bad. These conversations build our relationship, all of it. The minutia, the pleadings, the prideful boasts and dramatic complaints. Whether it's arguing, honest questions, gratitude, or just telling me about their day, it ultimately brings us closer together. It's the same way with our prayers to God which is just communication. Every bit of our interaction with God brings us closer. Oswald Chambers says of prayer in My Utmost for His Highest, quote, we look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself, In theory, This idea that prayer is communication, and one part of a conversation is building a better understanding of each other, sounds simple to grasp. However, it is still hard to feel comfortable doing this with someone or something you cannot physically see. All I can say is that the more you speak to God as if he were present, which he is, the easier it becomes. Prayer, then, is a means to build a relationship and intimacy with God. But it is also clear, biblically, that request is a part of prayer as well. There are countless verses in the New Testament that mention this concept. Let's read some examples. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 of the NIV says, in quotes, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? End quotes. Mark 11, verse 24 of the NIV, in quotes, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. End quotes. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 out of the NIV, in quotes, And pray in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people." The takeaway from these verses is that we should request and ask for things. When I think about the idea of petitioning God, it's helpful for me to consider my role as a parent with kids who ask for things regularly. My children are free to ask and request anything. They have learned, however, that asking and receiving are two different matters. When it comes to actual gifts, like the verses in Matthew, I do love giving them good things. However, it is with the wisdom of maturity as their parent that I decide what gift to give. My youngest once very seriously asked for a cement truck. (laughs) Not a toy, an actual cement truck. The reason was sweet. He wanted the cement truck to lay down a train track 
so that he could have the ability to visit his friend by train who lived across town. A more appropriate gift in this case was to arrange a play date. We do the same with God. In my son's eyes, the cement truck was a sincere and earnest request, one he was sure would solve his problem. We often think we know exactly what God should give us to answer a longing in our heart. His wisdom, though, is far greater than our desires. And trust me, he will find a way to meet that longing. Give him time, creativity, and trust and watch what he can do. Sometimes as a parent, it's tough for me to evaluate my children's requests. If my daughter asks for a new pair of jeans and needs them, then I will quickly meet that need. However, if she pleads for name brand jeans to fit a social norm at school, I may or may not get them. I have to assess the harm benefit of what the underlying issue is. Is it about peer pressure, significance, or simply just a good fitting pair of jeans? In other words, the motives behind the request have a lot to do with my willingness to fulfill the wish. It's the same with God. James chapter 4 verse 3 in the NIV says, in quotes, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, end quote. We often ask for specific things, a job, a spouse, a child, a home. At times, that is precisely what we need, and God supplies. Other times, though, God knows there is something more profound than the request and it's more important to heal the inner hurt. Or frankly, sometimes our desires are 100% selfish and God's answer is a straightforward no. There is another type of asking my kids do that I think we pray for as well. Intercession or intervention. This type of request can run the gamut from, mom, will you help me button this shirt? To I cannot figure out this math problem. These are the moments help is needed, a request for instruction or physical support. Just like the case when an object is asked for, as a parent, I base my actual intervention on the overall big picture. It is my knowledge of my children and what they need that helps guide what my response will be. When my son was four and needed me to button his shirt, I readily jumped at the asking. When he was five, I asked him to try first, and after some struggle, I interceded. At six, however, it's all him. He needs to figure it out on his own. That's not me being a cruel parent. It's me knowing his capabilities and nudging him into autonomy on this particular skill. If you notice, even at an early age, things that take effort for kids are usually balked at. I still remember as a new parent eagerly placing my two-month-old daughter on her stomach for tummy time, surprised that she cried at the struggle to hold her heavy head up. She didn't ask in words, but her tears and red face communicated a pleading for me to intervene and rescue her from the exercise. I had to deny her desire for the greater good 
of muscle development. When I evaluate what I'm asking God to intercede on and find an element of rescuing, it should clue me into the fact that this may be something God won't answer, as it will build character or strength for me to go through. When we ask God to intervene, we must trust that he sees the big picture. He knows whether stepping in will be helpful or will rob us of some unforeseen development essential for our maturity. Prayer as communication is full of all the things communication between my children and I have. While I get a lot of requests and a lot of questions and grumbles, I'll tell you what delights me. Praise. It's pretty unusual at this stage in the game to have unprompted gratitude spill out of my kids' mouths, but when it happens, the sweetness of it lasts for days. I'm not talking about the placating thank you or manipulative kindness to get something in return. I mean the sincere, Mom, you did a good job on dinner tonight, or thanks for helping me practice spelling today. The spontaneity of their words has always a little bubble of warmth that bursts inside me. It reminds me how much God relishes our praise. Even simple words of thanksgiving are a sweet aroma of goodness to him. There is another part of communication that is essential but extremely hard. Repentance. My children seem to have the hardest time saying I'm sorry. Despite their ability to eloquently ask for things or complain in a flourish of drama and expression, when it comes to apologizing, the words are often choked on. They mumble these two words in hushed tones, and I watch them try hard to swallow them back down as if it is physically painful to utter them. However, apologies and confessions must happen. Without the words, invisible walls pop up between us. As their parent, I feel the disconnect an injured relationship when I know they are keeping something from me or unwilling to say that they were in the wrong. Those two little words bring instant healing. They may fight saying them, but once uttered, I see their bodies relax. They know immediately we are mended and there is no longer a barrier in our relationship. The same thing happens in prayer. Psalm 32, verse 5 in the NIV says, and quotes, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. End quotes. God understands that when we knowingly do something wrong, it separates us from him. That's what sin is, separation. It's not, however, just the act itself that harms the relationship. It is the shame and guilt we feel that becomes a wall between us. Just like with my kids, the point of apologizing and putting words to the things that stand between us is for our sake. It takes away our feelings of guilt or the shame we place on ourselves and lets the barrier melt away.
Sometimes I think we are like my children. The words get stuck in our mouths. We want to make excuses for our behavior or blame someone else. When we can find the courage to speak specifically in confession to God, the inward healing is instant. One final thought on prayer as it relates to parents and children. It is the act of communication and the communication of an idea that matters more than the language itself. What I mean is that there is no formula for my kids to talk to me. I'm not only listening at 5 p.m., for instance, and they aren't forced to whisper or have a particular posture for me to pay attention to them. I don't judge the eloquence of their phrases or weigh my response based on how long they've been talking. We can communicate with God in any way and at any time. Our eyes can be open or closed. We can sit or kneel or stand. We can whisper or scream or sing or just think words. It can be one second or one hour of communication. Prayer is the conduit or channel that connects us to God. Communication, in the family example, is merely the means by which we grow in understanding of one another and consequently have our needs addressed and wishes dealt with. It builds our relationship, and the relationship is the framework that creates character and provides my children with the tools to define their purpose. Prayer, then, can be thought of in the same way. As we communicate with God, we nourish that relationship, understanding more of Him, and simultaneously learning more about ourselves. Oswald Chambers says it well as he ends his thoughts on prayer. In quotes, Prayer changes me, and then I change things. End quote. That's it for this week on prayer. Lots of little different ideas about how we communicate and what that means as we communicate with God. Next week, week eight is on blessings. It's a nice, positive, good one. So I hope you'll be back. Otherwise, take care.